0: So we are in James chapter 5. It's good to see you guys again by the way. So if you would turn there please uh where we get started. I was thinking about this I like this chapter a lot because it's uh it's kind of out of the way. The the previous chapters is all these great admonishments and then all of a sudden we turn to you know, these non-believers, the rich. But there's a lot of lessons for us to be had in this particular section. And I suspect that if I conducted a poll among us here, that uh, very few, if any, would be revealed as millionaires in this room. Eh? I don't, uh, I know I wouldn't. Uh, Many of us, however, we do well. God has blessed us with good jobs, right? And everything of that sort. Uh, And we're able to support ourselves and our families. Uh... But we're not living lavish lifestyles by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Some of us are struggling. There are some brothers and sisters here who are struggling. Uh, They live within their means, knowing that any frivolous spending could severely affect their standard of living. So they're wise with what they have, with what God has given them. And for all intents and purposes, there is a small percentage of the body that may actually be quite wealthy. But if they are, you're not going to know it. They may have a better car than you, but you yeah, know, that's not really uh, the true barometer. Um, nevertheless, uh, I don't know if they actually come here or not. I mean, no one knows. No one says, Oh, look, this is, uh, this is our most, our wealthiest patron or, or church member. We don't put plaques on the wall here, but, uh, there, regardless of what your, your economic status is, uh, well, the one thing that we know is that we are united in our faith in Christ. Um, uh, too bad. It's unfortunate, however, that the church has placed an emphasis on wealth and has been doing so for a long, long time. And, uh, and most people see the church as greedy. Right? You could tell them, I go to Calvary Job Pasadena, and they'll assume just by association with being a Christian church, that we're one of those grub- money-grubbing churches as well. Uh, however, uh, what I do know, again, like I said, is that we are enriched beyond counting through Christ. Now, Again, no one here is treated any differently in this church based upon income. It doesn't matter if you own a BMW, a brand new one, or a 1990 Ford pickup, or even something older, right? Um, as such, and I want to make this clear it is not a sin in itself to be wealthy, to be rich. If you've been blessed, if you're a doctor, you make good money. Okay? Are you rich? Well, by some people's standards, you might be. may certainly make a lot of money, certainly can afford a nice home. Right? Surgeons get paid very wealthy. And there are some Christian surgeons out there. There are people who serve the Lord. But the point is here is that it's not the wealth itself. It's what you do with it. Right? This is what we're going to look at today. It's about attitudes and perceptions when we have money. Uh, People can't handle money. Okay? You give... Some, I was once talking to, to a brother here and we were talking about giving, you know, helping people. And he says, one of the worst things you could ever do to someone is to give them a large amount of money. You think about it, he says, you give someone $10,000, just 10 grand, and by today's standards, that's like not a lot, it could ruin them. Because who knows what they'll do with it. Right? They could use it wisely or they just may use it unwisely. So do we not bless people? No, it's up to you how you're going to do it, how what you do with your money. What I'm saying is that people, for the most part, can't have the money. They get this sudden elitist sense of entitlement, right, that, that develops. And they get accustomed to these lavish lifestyles, and pretty soon the money runs out, and they're back where they were. But they've got this craving for more. Um, but the most unfortunate casualty in the process of... Allowing riches to rule us is that our relationship with Christ suffers. It would likely wither and fade as the reliance and trust in God turns into a reliance and trust in self and that little pot of gold you have temporarily. Literature tells us, has told us many tales of the perils of riches and the perils of those who have sought riches. Uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby comes to mind. Uh, Henry James's Daisy Miller as well. The nouveau rich, the new rich versus the old rich, right? And all of the the perils that come with that. Um, And while many scholars view these works as cautionary tales for us, the believer, however, it is the scriptures that admonish us most effectively concerning riches, concerning wealth. If you would, you could write it down. You can go there. First Timothy chapter six, verses six through ten. It reads, "But godliness with contentment is great gain." Now, I remember uh, when I was much younger, and I, I used to watch Channel Forty a lot. But I watched it so I could report back to Tony and Xavier what I saw. That's why I watched it. But I remember watching one evening, and uh, they had this gentleman on. I don't remember who he was, but he he uh, he he defined what the word gain meant. It's Channel 4, so obviously they focus on that word rather than godliness, right? Or contentment. But he says, he read it, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. He goes, do you know what that means, Jan and Paul? Are they still alive? I don't even know. Okay. He says, do you know what that means? He says, translated means great money getting. That's what he said. He actually said that. Great money getting. I thought, wow. And then I said, no, that's wrong. And of course I... I ratted them out to X and Tony. Made sure they knew that what was on TV. But see how the world is, right? And I say the world because for all intents and purposes that ministry. You know, we already know the spiders, you know, thanks to the internet, we know everything that went on there, right? But again, godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, serving the Lord, being content with that and what you have, that is the greatest gain you could ever have. Right? For we brought nothing into this world. And we take nothing out of it. Now, I don't know if any of you desire to be buried like a pharaoh. Right? All your stuff with your Cadillac or what have you. But uh, what's the point of that? It's just going to rot underground, isn't it? It's going to decompose, fall apart. Uh, yeah. So we brought nothing in. We take nothing out. But if we have food, and this is, this is key. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Okay. Food and clothing. Now, how many of us are truly content with that? Consider your your current situation, how things are going financially. And it can be a burden, right, to be struggling. I know that because I've been there. But are you content with the food and the clothing that you have? I want you to examine your hearts tonight and think about that, okay? Some of you are unemployed, and it's been very difficult, Hey, but you've got to trust in the Lord, my friends, and be content with what you have. And then it says, those who want to get rich will fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That desire, you know, if if I only had more, you know, a, a, a better paycheck or a better job, things would be better in my life. If you're a believer and you're uttering those words, what is the problem? You already have salvation. Okay? And we are promised that the temptations and the difficulties we face will never be more than we can endure. Right? My friends, hold on to those promises. Don't, seek the, don't turn to the world for any sort of relief or, or, or uh, salvation. You already have it. And then, of course, the key verse here being, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, my friends. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. You bring only pain and destruction upon yourself if you seek wealth. Because in that seeking, in seeking wealth, you're going to take your eyes off the Lord. It says so right here. And it's interesting that this is written that Timothy was a young man. Okay? Instruct your children, my friends, your nieces, your nep- nephews, your grandchildren, okay? that they need to be wise, will pass on that wisdom. Now, I'm not the best example of how to handle money, obviously. I mean, if you know me, you know my story. Nevertheless, I've learned. Right? Thanks to my brother-in-law, I've learned how to do things the right way. And I no longer have to worry about such things. However, but let me ask you this, because I'm very curious. Um, actually, don't raise your hands. But I want you to just think about it. I'll just judge by your faces, right? I want to know. How many of you played the lotto? Think about that. Okay. How many of you played a lotto, right? You're going, oh, man. God's going to give him more of knowledge. You! No, I won't do that. <laughs> but how many play the played lotto, right? Hoping to win and help the church? it ain't gonna happen right what what, what are your, your odds are better of what i think i don't know what the other what the other odds are but it's it's astronomically difficult to win the lotto and if you did win, do you honestly think you've remain? i mean maybe some of you could i'll tell you the truth about myself if I were win the lotto i'd be the biggest jerk on two feet. I know myself, and I'm afraid so i don't go anywhere near that sort of thing Not that I have that. You know, good luck, but still, you know, I would not want my world to change that way. I'm content with what I have. But just think about that, right? Everyone says they'll help the church or help this or help that or the other. But last I read, 70% of all lotto winners end up bankrupt for some reason or another. Right? So there it is. Okay? Um, so who when's wins, wins, wins the next drawing tomorrow? Okay, so if you were going to buy a ticket, don't buy one now. You don't need it. (laughs) Now, again, for myself, uh, several years ago, I was just living terribly economically, mind you. I was serving the Lord, but I was just an idiot with my money. I wasn't taking care of it. Over the last several years, my prospects have improved. Praise the Lord. I have a good job. I have a contract where I work. Um, But I was almost homeless at one point almost. If, one, if a brother had not offered me his couch, I would have wound up sleeping in my car. And if another brother had not employed me at that time, I would have really been in trouble. But the Lord was good. But even in those difficult times, my friends, I was content. I, I didn't worry. I knew things were difficult, but I thought, Immediately, I thought, okay, if I have to live in my car for a little while, I just got to find a place to take a shower. I'll be good with that and whatever. You know, I'll map it out, I'll work it out. That's how I do things. And uh, of course, since then, the Lord, in the the ensuing years, the Lord has has, uh, uh, helped me and blessed me with a much better job and a career, actually. And now, I live in a very tiny studio apartment, but I love it. It's my little box. And it's actually taught me to downsize. I I, I don't have much. I have, a, uh, I have a desk and a futon, I think, and bookshelves. That's it. Right? And I'm very content with where I live. Where I, I could easily afford to move up to a bigger apartment. I will move up to the front one if the lady in front ever moves out. But she's not going anywhere <laughs> for a while. <sighs> and the Lord has blessed that I could afford one of the one-bedrooms. But I'm very happy where I'm at. I have no intentions of going anywhere. Um uh, I don't have any credit cards. I got rid of them. Okay? Uh, I don't have any bills whatsoever. I only have one addiction, and that's comic books, and that's a work in progress. Lord's dealing with that. Uh, and my car. I could easily afford a, a new car. I could easily afford the payments for a new car. But I don't want a new car. I like my car. You know, it's got a... The front end's all crushed in from an accident, but still runs, right? And I'm well past the age where I'm worried about what the chicks might say, because my car's got to be down, right? I'm not (laughs) worried about that anymore. Um, So I'm content. And I do hope that you guys are content with where you're at. Keep praying. If the Lord will bless you with a better job, absolutely, by all means. But be content with what you have, okay? And for those of you who are doing well, May God give you the wisdom to help or assist whomever it is He puts on your heart. Okay, don't just go out there and say, "I'm going to help people," so people will think I'm a great guy. Then there's your reward. You know, pray, seek the Lord about who He wants you to assist. So this chap, this well, this, this section, even though it is really laying it, uh, laying the judgment upon the the uh, unsaved rich, there is much that we can learn from this as well. Now, I want to make something clear before we proceed. God is not a member of uh, the Occupy Wall Street 99%. Okay? He doesn't hate the rich because they're rich. Okay? Uh, God, you know, respects no man regardless of their status. Uh, Some of the godliest people in Scripture were quite wealthy. Right, we know that uh, Job, Abraham, Joseph of Arimathea, David, Solomon, and etc. Jesus does, however, speak of the difficulty of the rich being saved. Matthew nineteen twenty three to twenty six, and there are times when God is angry with the rich, as evidenced in tonight's text. So tonight we will see that riches can be a burden. Okay, they can lead us to behave. And to treat others in a way that is contrary to our relationship to God. All right? So again, don't trust in your finances or your wealth. I mean, we call gold precious, I guess, because, well, you know, that's what we think it is. But at some point, it'll be worthless. Huh? And uh, what then? All your riches will be, you know, uh, worthless. So let's get into the scriptures. See what God has for us tonight. And uh, hopefully we will be able to uh, understand what God wants for us. Now, I, again, I, I admonish all of you to, to consider your situation, where you're living at. This is It's funny because every time I, I teach, the Lord always gives me something that I've dealt with in the past. And I'm thinking, why, Lord? Why this one? I don't like talking about money or riches or what have you. But, you know, it's a good reminder for me to, be, to remain humble. Uh, uh, even though the Lord has blessed me with much. All right, so James chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 read, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming uh, coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, uh, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have uh, fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned. You have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. This is pretty heavy. Now, in the world that James lived in, the Roman world that James lived in, it was much different than our modern one. Uh, At that time, there was no middle class. eh? Of course, under this president, there's no middle class either, but that's a story for another day. There was no middle class at the time. There was the very rich and the very poor. And the majority of Christians were among the very poor. Okay? Now, James is not condemning riches. Again, He's condemning the attitude that comes with it. So, riches in and of themselves, whatever you consider to be riches, whatever you consider to be wealth. Uh, you know, If I pull out a $100 bill, that, that, that $100 bill is neither moral or immoral. Okay? I'm going to choose to do what I want with it. Okay? If I want to bless somebody with it, I may, or if I want to buy myself something I'll buy myself something the the, the money and, and and the wealth itself is, is not the issue it's the attitude that we have right when we come into riches when we when we have that uh those means uh, afforded to us James is condemning the relationship that people have with riches and again how the money was acquired and what was done once they got it so are the rich in this passage Christians or non-Christians? Well, they're, I, I think it's pretty obvious they're non-Christians. He's addressing the non-believer here. But again, there's a lesson for us as well. Because often, and some of you may have experienced this, we are oppressed by those with power. And sometimes that power is in the form of wealth. And we know what it's like to work for a, a bad boss, or what have you, right? Um, and we know that, as much as we would like, you know, to get revenge on them, we know God's going to deal with them. God will judge them, and if not immediately, then later. Okay, so the, the the idea here is that God's saying, "Look, I know, I know exactly what's going on here. I know that there are rich people who are oppressing you, and I'm going to handle it. And here's how I'm going to handle it. Right? He's the Holy Spirit speaking through James has given it to us to us here for us tonight to to look at now." So James uses this example of the oppressive rich to encourage the Christian as they live in a godless world. And my oh my is this world godless, isn't it? It is frightening uh, how godless it is. And I think what makes it even more frightening is that we are very aware of what's going on you know, with social media and the internet. We are not, there's no filter now. Okay, if you have any sort of social media site, people post things and you read them and you are well aware. You may not actually click on the article, but there's enough in the headline to give you an idea what's going on. You know, growing up, if, I have, if there was something like the Planned Parenthood scandal and all of that, uh, it is very likely I would not have heard of it if, I wasn't, if it wasn't reported on television right, or anything like that or in the newspapers. And I wouldn't know about it until someone told me and then it would be almost impossible to believe. But now we have proof, right? Again, through social media. But the thing is, this world and how it treats us, God is very aware of that. So the believers to be patient, right? To trust in the Lord under any difficult circumstance. God will deal with the oppressors, be they rich or otherwise. and In whatever way you're being oppressed, whatever way uh, the difficulties are coming from a person, God will deal with them. And here's how. Again, verse 1. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Wow. Okay. Again, here is the condemnation of the actions of the rich oppressors. There is no address to the brethren in this section. He doesn't call them brethren. Not until verse 7 does he call them brethren again. Here he's speaking to the rich. And this little section here, It doesn't conclude with any sort of call to repentance. Anything. It's just hardcore. Now, despite the fact that this is a very, very, very strong condemnation of the rich, we cannot see it as a, yeah, you get them, Lord, moment. Okay? We can't see it that way. If anything, we should pray for those who oppress us, right? We should understand that the very reality of hell this is what these people will face and this you know, subsequent generations the idea of, of hell doesn't really frighten them because today's modern uh, uh, movies and and uh, uh, effects uh, can present hell in the scariest way possible, but they're saying, oh it's just a movie right when I was a little kid, they talked about hell. Well, <laughs> I had nightmares for weeks, right? Right? So, you know, you could show hell on TV, but it was crude. Right? Now, uh, everyone's like, oh, it's just a movie. It's just a movie. Okay? But the point I'm getting at here is that the condemnation of the rich is going to be, well, pretty bad. Uh, For the believer, however, okay, we need to be admonished. Instead of giving up under these difficult circumstances... Right, the believer will turn to God in prayer and seek His help. And those, right, unless they repent, those who oppress you, unless they repent, repent, will meet judgment. Now, non-believer and the rich among them will have no comfort when the miseries come upon them. This first verse, believe it or not, my friends, is one of encouragement. Okay, not one of revenge or to instill the thought of revenge in your heart. Right. Not at all. It's to encourage you. See, too often, and I, I'm guilty of this myself, um, the, be, the, the believer often gives up when it looks like the evil are prospering. Right? We have a tendency to just throw our hands up and just say, well, I guess there's no hope for me. But there is. In God's time, they will be judged. In the meantime, you remain godly and content. Okay? no matter how hard the situation is, no matter who it is who is oppressing you, you remain godly and content, my friends. So the rich without God, the godless rich, think they have it made. Right? But they will soon weep and howl. In James' time, right? In a short time, 80-70, there would be no rich left with the destruction of Jerusalem. It was raised to the ground and any wealth, it's gone. Okay? So, there it is. It could come at any moment, this loss of wealth. What are you holding on to? Okay? What is it that you consider your wealth? And why are you holding on so tightly to it? James, uh, verse 2. It says, Your riches are corrupted, your possessions, right? Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Okay, So, the rich are told that their riches are corrupted. Their garments are moth-eaten. So on the outward, they may look pretty sharp. They may look nice. But the inside is corrupted. Now, I've never known a millionaire anymore. A a real live millionaire. But I've known people who are wealthy. I've come across them in my travels. And sure enough, they always look pretty good. But in... Some conversations you quickly discover in many cases they're not happy because they they always seem, you know, people always complain no matter what. But you would think that someone who has all these riches would not have any complaints. But when we get together and chat, wherever I'm at, well, they're complaining too. I'm thinking, okay, why are you complaining, right? You've got it all, don't you? But the the point that we're getting at here is that nothing in this material world, my friends, is going to last forever. Right, you, you you can't take it with you, you simply cannot, right? I could be buried with all my comics; they're gonna rot underground, okay? And it is downright foolish to live for the things of this world, right? Matthew eight thirty six through thirty seven, we know it well. For what will a pro- what will it profit a man, okay? if he gains the whole world, the whole world, and loses his own soul, right? Or, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Think about that. Okay? Some, again, some of us here are hoping to find a job, know someone who's hoping to find a job as a believer, pray that they stay true, stay righteous in their quest to find employment, right? And that they do not compromise. So again, it's a huge mistake to uh, find security in wealth. This is This is a warning to the rich of James' day and to the rich in modern times. It is also a warning to us as believers then and now. Now, many of you have encouraged your children uh, and grandchildren to pursue a college degree and a successful, well-paying career. We want the best for our children. We want the best for our nieces, our nephews and grandkids and what have you. We don't want them to struggle, obviously. So we encourage them to go to school, right? To study hard, to get that degree, and hopefully get a good, well-paying job. And that's all fine and dandy, my friends. But are you also admonishing your children not to trust in that success that God will give them? In other words, you trust that God will make them successful but if they begin to trust in the success they've achieved rather than the God who provided it there is the problem okay because they'll lose their way my friends if they can survive that onslaught of liberal professors and classes okay it would be a shame if they walked away from the Lord as a result of a six figure salary later on okay admonish your children read this section with them All right? your nieces your nephews or nephews, or whomever Verse three, further condemnation. He says, your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and you will eat and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure uh, in the last days. So this trust in riches will suffer corrosion. That which you love so much will eventually begin to decay, lose its value and will serve as a witness against you. Okay? The corrosion of their riches will also eat up their flesh like fire. That's a pretty intense statement. In other words, I, just the way I see it is that those who will suffer most when poverty strikes will be those who were once very wealthy. Right? If you've been living down here with the rest of us and things get a little worse, I think we roll with that punch a little better. But if you're used to, what is it, the old television show, right? champagne wishes and caviar dreams, right? Lifestyles of the rich and famous, and you lose it all, right? In the 30s, there were guys jumping out windows, right? There were rich men jumping out windows as a result of depression, right? They've lost their money. What do I have to live for, right? Stock market, stock market crashes. We're not to be that way, right? We're not to trust in the riches so much that when they're gone, there's nothing else to live for. What do we have? We have the Lord, and what is what is the, what is the, the 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 blessing to us that godliness with contentment is what great gain. It's the greatest gain you'll ever have. The indulgences, and of course they're going to weep in hell. But the indulgences that the rich engage in often lead to a corrosive lifestyle that affects them physically, eating their flesh, as it were. Okay? Everything is just a few dollars away. So they indulge, and they drink, and they party, and what have you. And it takes a physical toll on them. Those riches are corrosive and begin to eat their flesh, as it were. What about us, right? You know how it feels to get a raise. Your boss calls you in and says, you're doing a good job there, son. Gives you a raise. You get that little, you know, the endorphins kick in, and you're like, I think I'll go buy something. <laughs> yeah? I if you haven't been there, then maybe the raise was a little one. But whatever it was, I mean, I remember working at Toys the Rest in the 80s, and we went from three thirty-five to three fifty an hour. And I was like, wow. I went out and bought all kinds of stuff. I had money left over <laughs> for three three months after that, I think. But we we get excited, right? Once money comes into our hands, regardless of the amount, we, we we're we're that way. But we have again we have to be careful. We don't want to give in to those riches because then we take our eyes off the Lord. Now, it is very difficult, as we've seen in scripture, for the for the wealthy to maintain faith and character. Now, remember, riches are good to have uh, in the hand when you need it, when, if, if God supplies them there. But when what is in the hand penetrates the heart, that's the problem. Because then there's no room for God. All you have is what? You trust in your money. Okay? The rich keep hoarding and earning millions, but again, it doesn't make them happier. It's, there's only a desire for more. And, again, if you have the means to do so, philanthropy, charitable giving, uh, it's up to you, okay? How you if, you, if you decide to do so, share your riches is up to you. Hoarding, however, does not do anyone good. If you can help, then do so, okay? Bless someone. Seek the Lord on that. I help some people, yeah? And, uh, you yeah, know, I joke with my family, but I—you I, know, my family are always the recipients of... of blessings from me because i love them you know and i like well I like spending on them yeah you know? and the lord has given me the means to do so but i also bless others so you know if the lord whoever the lord puts on your heart to bless then by all means do so if you have the means to do so um and again james is not condemning the riches themselves but the wealthy people okay instead he condemned the wrong use of riches and the way those riches are earned as evidenced by verse four he writes indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth." so these individuals who James was uh, admonishing they had earned their wealth through dishonest and wicked means by withholding wages from those who worked for them,. Okay? There are many many unscrupulous employers. You've probably worked for an unscrupulous employer. You've probably worked for an employer who kept promising a raise but never gave one. Uh, I worked for a lady, I, 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 I still worked for her even though but she would always lowball me. You know, I was uh she'd always tell me uh that um I I, I had a I had the master's degree in English. And I was still helping out at her tutoring center. And the going rate for a master's degree was like $50 an hour to tutor at the time. And um, she she talked me down to $15 an hour. <laughs> I kind of felt sorry for her. And I really liked her. She was a nice lady. But she was uh, unscrupulous because <laughs> she used to charge a lot to tutor. right, And then pay her employees very little. Nice lady, but just, you know, didn't pay much. Anyhow, unscrupulous employers, right? It still happens today. Now, if God has blessed us financially, then we have the responsibility to be wise with what we have. Whatever wealth we have, be wise with it, my friends. If you are an employer, and some of you are or have been, uh, deal honestly and fairly with your employees, okay? Don't shortchange them. Don't... uh, Punish them for no good reason. If they're good employees, reward them. Okay. If they're not, then deal with that. But don't use them to prosper and then shortchange them. Okay? We, we, we're not supposed to be like the world in that regard. All right? we, are, we as Christians, unfortunately, are not immune to that sort of behavior. There are ways to use, again, the riches that God has blessed you with to help others. So seek Him on that. But when we use our wealth to oppress or to punish others uh the lord will heal the cry of his people mm-hmm. uh some of you again work for bad bosses and again you have not received a raise in quite some time know that god sees your situation and he hears your cry okay he knows what's going on and he will deal with it but above all trust in him mm-hmm. because if and when the issue is resolved are you still going to be in that state of trusting in Him? Or, oh, I got my raise. And then all of a sudden, things are honky-dory and you're not reading or you're not coming to church. Whatever, you're trusting again. Everything's great now. But the next time, right, things get a little tight, then you turn to God. It doesn't work that way. Right? A long time ago, a Christian singer once said, God is not my credit card. Okay, God will bless us, but we need to know that where that came from and how we're going to use it should bless God back. Um, as such, the uh, God knows that the godless rich here were, were robbing the poor to become wealthy. But I want you to notice something. That the answer here is not to make the poor rich. Right? Nowhere here does it say anything that... Not to worry, you know says the Lord, thou too shalt be rich. does it say that? No, it doesn't. that's not the answer. Instead, the answer is to be content and just trust in God, right, and know that that sort of behavior with among the rich will be punished. Okay? so James again, does not condemn the the riches, right? But rather, the people and how they use it wrongly. Right? And again, this is evidenced uh, in verse 5. Uh, let me ask you this before we get there, though. How do you live? Right? Think about how you live. Again, things were I, years, is very, a lot of years ago, I was, a, I was still a teenager. Probably about, it oh, okay, wasn't so, Twenty, twenty-one or so. Uh, they, I was so self-absorbed. I was a believer. Okay? I came into Christ at seventeen, so I was already a believer. But I was so self-absorbed that my family had, a, had to have a meeting, okay? Because I wasn't paying rent at home. Okay, I was just doing my thing. What little I made at Toys R Us was going to me. Okay, and my family had to have a meeting. And just admonish me, and uh, I still remember what my sister-in-law Gloria said. She says, "You know," and that's why I, I love Gloria because you know she she never was an outsider. She was a member of the family, right? She says, "You know, you're living high on the hog, right?" And your mom and your sister Virgie, right, are struggling. I, I was so embarrassed, but after that you know, I started to contribute. And it was true. I wasn't donating anything. Just living there. And I was already 20-something, right? 21, 22. So again, how are we living? How do you live? Is the money that you have... First of all, are you tithing? Good Lord, you better be tithing. Okay? Absolutely. Secondly, how are you using what God has given you? Are you using it wisely? Are you providing for your family? Or do you really need that 40-inch TV in the bathroom? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I've been, I've been without a TV for what? Six years? Five, six years now? I'm a child of the 70s. Okay? And TV was, well, basically TV was my step-parent. Okay, and I thought I would die without one, but it's actually I don't need it. You know, if I want to watch a movie, I'll, I guess I'll watch Netflix or something to that effect. But um, there is room; I could make room for a TV, and I could certainly afford one. But I don't, yeah, I don't feel like I need one. Uh, th- th- it's not important to me. I've even started downsizing further, and that's because I'm 50, so I'm on my way out already. So I'm just gonna, yeah prepare things for my family but i've gotten rid of a lot of books i'm trying to get rid of a couple bookshelves and what have you just kind of downsize and be content no at any point in my life i was never rich i've always been very happy with the way things are hit a low point like i said but you know i want to live for the lord i want to live for him okay i'm very content and i love what i do for a living but i just want to make sure that even you know, we're supposed to get a raise. Everyone's excited at Cal State LA because we're going to get a, a big raise pretty soon. But I'm just thinking, you oh, know, Lord, thank you. And, you know, just tuck it away. You know, leave it to my family when I'm gone or whatever. But, you know, I'm not going to rejoice in those riches. I don't want that to be the sole motivation for how I live. But verse 5 says, You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. So again, how do you live? There's nothing wrong with having a nice home. There's nothing wrong with that, my friends. A nice car. Okay? A nice TV. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? Right? <laughs> Those are nice things to have, no doubt. Okay? I mean, I'm always looking to upgrade my computer. I like a fast computer. So, I mean, there's things that I like that are nice as well. But the issue here is that don't sit around and live high on the hog. Don't just sit around, okay? And hoard things and collect things. When you know there's someone you can bless, continue to, to let the Lord rule your heart and again, meet the needs of those he directs you to assist. Okay? Always be looking out for the other person and assisting them, even if it's just with the gospel, of course. But that luxurious lifestyle, wow, uh, has a way of ruining godly character. Okay? I was a young believer, and even though I was, like I said, I was making three thirty-five dollars an hour, but it was all mine. And wasn't with my family. It was ruining my godly character to the point where my family had intervened intervene right, and yell at me. Self-indulgence, as we all know, is sin. And it benefits no one. Who's it a benefit? So these rich people have fattened themselves, right? Fattened their hearts like, like uh, animals for the slaughter. Right? And when they're gone, everything they have, like a dead animal, like, will be cut up and divided the rich in this passage were using their money in a sinful manner to the point where they used it to corrupt and manipulate uh, uh, as evidenced in verse 6. So take a look at verse 6. You have condemned, you have murdered the just, he does not resist you. Now, this is true. Being wealthy does have its advantages, does it not? Both politically and in some cases legally. Yeah. Corrupt courts existed in James's time. They exist today. All right? So money can get you out of any situation for as long as you don't get caught, right? Uh, look at some of our politicians on both sides. Uh, now, these advantages, however, are almost always for personal gain and often for sinful purposes. The courts in James' day, as I said, were not immune to corruption or manipulation in the form of bribery Uh, The oppressed workers, if you look at the the case that these people had, they had a legitimate case, right, Uh, against their rich oppressors, but no chance to win in court. No chance to win in court. Things are a little different now, but like I said, corruption is still there. They only had the Lord to hear their case, but again, that is the best advocate, lawyer, attorney we have, right? It's Jesus Christ. Never loses a case. The warning here, my friends, is that we must put the Lord first, continuously, regardless of our circumstances, and he will provide us with everything we need. Okay? There is no need to bribe or manipulate the Lord. Okay? So we couldn't do it anyway, but there's no need to do so. Eh? The Lord's not ever going to direct you to bribe or manipulate just to get your way. We, of course, have seen this type of action in our own government. Eh? We need to be different. Government's a bad example. So consider what you have this evening as far as riches go. Does what you have Belong to the Lord, whether it's your bank account, whether whatever it is, everything, guys, it's yours, Lord. Take it, keep it, let me keep it. Your will be done. Remember, ask yourself, do what does what you possess uh, belong to the Lord to direct you into doing His will, or? Is it only for your own self pleasure? Okay. These rich oppressors, and again, this is a very interesting section because everything else is, so, is, is, is you know it's classic scripture here, right? We're just uh, all the admonishments we have, and then we take this intermission, right? And then he goes back to admonishing us in verse seven to the end. So it's a pretty wild section, but the point here is: what have we learned? What what has God given us this evening? Well, first of all, you need to be careful about how you attain your wealth. Again, regardless of your situation, how is it that you earn your money? How many of you don't answer? But how many of you go to Vegas? My dad, okay? I mean, professed to be a Christian. And I pray that he was. I honestly do. He loved Vegas. Vegas. Huh? there you go. And he'd say, in Jesus' name. There we <laughs> But as far as I knew, I'm still waiting. If he left me anything from the Vegas trip, I haven't received it yet, right? So, <laughs> we need to be careful about how we earn our money. We're not through any sort of dishonest means, okay? We don't do it at the expense of others as the rich oppressors did here. We make an honest living. Yeah. whatever that might be, whatever God has you doing. Okay? Young people, those of you in college, right? be wise, be strong, because okay? God will bless you and the success you achieve right? in whatever career you choose. Don't forget the Lord. Once you're at that position you've always wanted to be at, that job you've always wanted to be at, okay? and you get that first check and you're like, wow, don't take your eyes off the Lord. Okay? We also need to be careful about how we use what we've been blessed with, right? uh, To avoid those luxurious lifestyles that lead to sin and ignore the suffering of others, but to be mindful of those whom God has directed you to help. Here's the bottom line, is that in Christ, we have so much to be thankful for, right? beyond any, any material things, riches or otherwise so much to be thankful for. But we must be wary of this world and the temptations of wealth. Okay? Right? We have to be constantly aware. We live in a society where in some cases, not all, it is often easy to become wealthy. Okay? Some people suddenly become wealthy for whatever reasons. Covetous, covetousness and desire are the order of the day, just as they were in Noah's time. Okay? Nothing has changed, so I ask you this evening, are you laying up treasures in heaven or here on earth? Right? Or are they going to be destroyed we 're going to moths we 'll eat them You know, I, I kind of feel bad for my nephew Jonathan because I have a lot of comic books, and i 'm leaving them to him, and he has to go through the problem of either just selling them all for fifty bucks or going through the process of trying to sell them online, what have you. you know, I was like, maybe I should just donate them or something, right? Because, uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to take that with me. They're all going to fall apart. Anyhow, are you laying up treasures for yourself in heaven or here on earth? Are you being ruled by your possessions, by that, right? Which you consider to be wealth. Remember that we are immensely rich in Christ. Okay? Beyond any monetary measurement. And my brothers and sisters, let us be content with that. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus again. Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for just the blessing of your word. Thank you, dear Lord, for just showing us dangers, Lord God, inherent in putting the things of this world before you. Let each and every one of us here be content with what we have, Lord God. And Lord, let us rejoice that we are saved. With that being said, Lord, however, if there is anybody here this evening, dear Lord, who does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray, Father God, that you put a stirring in their heart to come on up afterward and accept you as Lord and Savior, Father. If there's anyone here who is ill, Lord God, as we will see in verses 7 and onward, if anybody is sick, let them pray, let them be healed. Lord, they would come up for prayer as well. That we would pray for one another, Lord God. We, not, we, would, we would not just rush off tonight, Lord. But most importantly, I pray, Lord God, that you be glorified. That in all that you've given us, all you've blessed us with, Father God, we would be content and live godly lives that glorify you. So we thank you, Father. Ask you to bless these wonderful people. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. All right.